going james anthony here otherwise known as james the face um did i say that right james anthony otherwise known as james the face or james the face otherwise known as james anthony i don't know i i say i say it both ways so hello welcome back to james's kickback this is the second episode of season two um thank you so much for joining me um i'm trying to be very consistent with this um podcast this season and so um hopefully this comes out in tandem with the last episode um but again i thank you so much for joining me i also want to start the episode by saying that this is a bit of a trigger warning um for those of you who possibly um don't deal the best with like grief and death and things like that this this may not be the episode for you but i hope that you can find some gems in here um to kind of help you out should you be going on this journey either right now or eventually you know what i mean but before I get um, into it, please remember to follow me on all of my social medias at James the Face um, for updates. And let's get this podcast up and running like it's supposed to be. I feel like I have just done this this podcast a disservice over the years. So please help me get to where we need to get to um, in order for God to bless it the way He wants to. All right, all right. So today we're going to be talking about um, navigating grief. And um, most specifically, losing your parents in your 20s. Because I am most recently a, I guess, a part of this club of people who sadly go through this in their lifetime. And um, I don't know about any of them, but I could not have imagined. Like, when I was, like, 18 and I, you know, when you're younger and you're starting to um, get grown and envision your life and things like that like I just would never have imagined this like a lot of other events in my 20s take place but I just would not have imagined this taking place in my 20s or anything like that and so it it caused me to discover things about myself that I genuinely didn't know and really would not have known about should I have not gone through um, what I just went through. So before I jump into that, I really want to define what grief actually is. Um, and when I went to the actual Merriam-Webster definition of it, it says deep and poignant distress caused by, or as if by bereavement, a cause of such suffering. And for me, I have never, I've lost, sadly, my family and the people around me, even as a kid, were all older. Like, my parents had me at older ages, their circles, then church people, all of that were older people. And so, I went to more funerals than I ever went to weddings. You know what I mean? Like, I I sadly saw a lot more people pass away than I saw a lot of people get have babies and, and have baby showers and things like that. And so... I've been to several funerals in my lifetime from a child up until now. And for, for I guess, up until that point, death had become desensitized to me because I'm Kojic. You know what I mean? And so when we have funerals, it's, it's church, church. Like, we have good church at these funerals and stuff. And so sometimes I find that that might have desensitized me from the actual seriousness and what comes with um, death and the death of a loved one. 
And so, it says that the causes of grief may also be um, the death of a, of a loved one, including pets, divorce, or changes in relationships, including friendships, changes in your health, or the health of a loved one. And so, I want to be very specific. So, it was, okay, in 2021, it's 2021, um, I think I first started, like, experiencing what grieving could be when I first found out that my mother was sick. Um, we were praying. So my family, as I just said, we're culty people. So we, when we found out that she was sick, we were genuinely praying and, um, being believers and testing our faith. And we were like, okay, God, like my mother lived a very good, she was a missionary. She was, she lived a very saved life, um, for the most part of her life, you know? So I just, I just knew that God was going to bring her through. Um, and once I realized that, you know, time was ticking and the, the reports from the doctors were getting worse, I felt like I, I started to have to deal with the reality that I may lose my mother. Suddenly, I did not realize my mother was sick up until a week before she had went into the hospital. And so I, I was confronted with this very suddenly. And so when I... I guess realized that she was getting ready to be promoted into heaven. I I became very devastated and I was numb. I'm going to be very honest with you. Like I I because there was such a short turnaround from her diagnosis to the time she passed away, I just I became very numb. I became very numb. And the day that I went to the hospital to see her after she had finally, you know, been promoted to heaven, I like to think of it as uh, when I went to see her, th there's just no words, you guys. There's no words. There's no words for the experience it is to go and go into a room and know that your loved one, specifically your mother, is laying there non-responsive and will never be responsive again because she is now passed. I, I would never wish that on my worst, when I tell you my worst enemy, I would never wish that on my worst enemy because the feeling is just I can't I can't really even describe it like I'm sitting here trying to describe it to you guys I cannot describe it because it just it's shattering it genuinely is shattering and honestly from the moment that she had passed away from that day up until you know the funeral itself I think I think it was all a blur to me like I was sitting here sitting down trying to like write out kind of that that time for me it was all a blur for me because I think I was so numb I think I kind of blacked out to life like I just didn't really I don't remember much and that was just last year the year before last now because we're in 2023 but I don't remember much about that specific time period I do remember letting my father know and his response being you know just very again he had no idea she was sick either so he was he was just yeah he was taken aback as well and so, I remember after, like, burying my mother, I went back into, or at least I tried to go back into, like, normal life. Like, I tried to go back to my job. I tried to, like, go back to what I do typically every day or what I was doing every day prior to all of this happening just so I can go back to, like, some sort of sense of normalcy. And I found that I couldn't. 
I found that I found that I could not. Like I found that I was struggling. I found that I was going into. I remember y'all. I remember I went into the Target. I went to the Target randomly. I think I was just getting some random stuff. And this has just had been maybe a few months after this has all taken place. You guys, I don't know what song was playing in the store. I don't know what aisle I walked down. I genuinely don't. But I just remember breaking down into tears so much so to the point where I had to tell myself like, James, get out of the store. Like get out of the store. You're about to embarrass yourself because this is Target. I think this is like and like daytime. Like people are there. Like. I'm like James go go and get yourself together and I had to like I had to go to my car and things like it was a whole thing and so I had realized in that moment like oh my gosh if is this what grief is gonna look like for me going forward like I just I I just did not know how to really pick up the pieces because again my mother had the time that I from the time that my mother had became sick to the time that she actually passed was such a small turnaround time, I, I have to emphasize, because it was very hard for me to kind of, like, go back into normal life. Um, and once I, I guess, once I, I, I came to terms with it a little bit, um, some some more months had went down the line, I started to get back into myself and started to work back towards, you know, all of the things that I was doing before, like my auditions, my modeling jobs, and and a lot of more career-defining opportunities, because now I have a reason. Like, now I have a fire under my butt, because all of those pebbles and all of the wisdom and all of the sacrifice that my mother had went through, I was like, James, you literally cannot waste this. Like, I, I had a very blessed childhood. I will not sit here and lie to you all. I had a very blessed childhood. My parents were very good to me. We weren't the richest people by any means, but they were very good people and they put us in a good environment with church and all that. I will never speak bad about that. And so for that reason specifically, I said I have to do something about this and I have to do everything in my power to the 10th degree to make sure that like all of her work was not in vain. And so, you know, some time has passed and I've luckily, like I mentioned in the last episode, had gotten a chance to do a lot of great things in 2022. Um, and God was blessing me and, and there was some, obviously some moments of struggle in there, but I do believe for the most part that I, w- I had a pretty okay, blessed year up until the very end of it, up until the very end of it. You know, I was blessed enough to be um, in um, Los Angeles working on something and I received a call from my younger brother and I said um and I didn't pick up the call excuse me and he ended up texting me saying like hey um they just rushed dad to ER you know call me when you can I know you're on set or whatever and so I'm like oh my god like I was so you guys I had so I, I was so nervous when I left for that trip because I felt like when I leave, something's going to happen. You know, you know something. I'm a Pisces, like very intu- intuitive people. And so I just felt like, I said, I felt like something's going to happen. I don't know what, but I feel like something's going to happen. And so I ended up, you know, still going to Los Angeles thinking it was I was being paranoid. But I ended up getting, receiving that text. And, you know, by that night, I was on the phone call with the hospital, with everybody, and, you know, trying to figure out what went wrong. And once I figured that out, the first, like, few days he was in the hospital, the doctors were hopeful. The doctors were very hopeful. They were like, oh, well, you know, if we can do this, if we can do this, if we can do this, then there's some possibility there that there this can all be turned around and blah, and blah, and blah. And so even in those moments, I was being optimistic because, you know, the doctors were. And then everything started to change. Um, my father's, like, oxygen level started to go down, and they just never went back up. And, like, they did everything in their power in terms of ventilators and blah, and blah, and blah. 
it just like it felt and at a certain point after a few weeks it, the doctors kept telling us they had to sit us down and give us you know very hard conversations and decisions and tell us you know pretty much like the only thing that's keeping you know your father alive is his machine and I remember thinking you know I didn't give him life so I don't want to be the one to take it away like I don't want to live with that regret so I just I immediately started praying because I was like God what am I what do I have to do like what are we what am I going to do here like what am I actually going to do here and I I just remember being like, you know, at the end of the day, your will is going to be the will that's done. So I'm just going to listen to you and follow your instructions. And that's literally what I did. And I will thank God never have any regrets about, you know, having to make those decisions on behalf of my father because I did it all spirit led, God led. And I made sure that I, you know, kept his wishes in mind as well. And so... I, you know, and forgive me if you hear, like, the clicking of my papers in the back. I just wanted to make sure I didn't um, miss anything. But I feel like now that I'm about, like, three weeks or four weeks now past my father's service, I feel like I'm in a place now where I can start to, again try and go back to the work mode that I once was in because I'm only 27 years old like I have a whole life to go you know what I mean like and what's difficult about losing your parents so soon is that a lot of the wisdom you would need as you get older and and do other things in your life that comes with age you sadly just will not have the opportunity to physically um have those conversations or get that guidance but you know luckily my parents you know um instilled in me my spirituality instilled in me like my christian faith and so i i truly believe that they're guiding me through their realm but i just do not you know sadly get the opportunity and people in my position don't get the opportunity to speak to those loved ones you know as their life you know progresses on and so some of the things that i i wanted to help you all with that has helped me with navigating grief um it's just a few points here um and one of them is identifying your trigger points so for me i found that like familiar songs locations um specific items um that were acquainted to my parents like i find that they're triggering like I find that if I listen to a couple of whining songs that I'm going to start crying because my father used to listen to the whinings all the time while we will be driving home from school. Like, I found that that's a trigger. Like, that whole era is a trigger trigger area for me, so I have to go in spurts. But when it's time to grieve, like, I know I can go there and get some good cries out. So that's also great as well. But again, just identifying those things that you know will take you there and help you you know not not run away from them or avoid them but to learn to live with them um and and use them for your benefit instead of the thing that becomes so triggering right another thing i also want to encourage you to do is allow yourself to feel all of your raw emotions and do not try to like brush them off right because those feelings never really never go away unless they are dressed properly um, and so you're, if you're here with a sudden dose of grief, you know, during your morning commute or while, like I said earlier, while you're grocery shopping, while you're on a date, like whatever, like take a minute and like take a moment to authentically feel those feelings. Um, and I truly believe that will lead to healing because, you know, I do not believe running away from stuff is the, is the best option to, um, solve many things. You know, a lot of people do. I used to think that when I was younger, but I've learned in my older days, like it is not. And so I definitely don't think you should run, but I definitely think that you should 
you know make the, make sure that you feel those feelings so that you can you know begin your journey to healing um also something that i think i'm in, in the process of doing um is figuring out a healthy way to pay tribute to them with like my daily life and with my future you know i've learned that the best way to honor your parents past their physical life is to live your life as a love letter to them and um the teachings that they instilled in you you know what i mean like i said before my parents were very good to me you know i have very little traumatic things that happened in my childhood or especially in my household specifically because i had good parents you know what i mean and so like i do want to honor them with and i didn't have perfect parents let me be, be clear about that i didn't have perfect parents okay they made some mistakes too child we, they, we were we were messing up and all of that at the at, at, as well but you know for the most part compared to like some of my peers i have very good parents <laughs> i have very very good parents um i just want to reiterate that um the last thing i want to talk about is um developing a relationship or get acquainted with god um or whom you ever whomever you choose to worship um, this this has been a game changer for me in this season of my life because I found that God is the only outlet that I feel comfortable enough to go to when I need to cry, when I need to vent, when I need to scream, when I need to complain, like whatever. Like my prayer life has like grown leaps and bounds because I have found him um, to be available whenever I need him and he doesn't judge me when I ask him questions. You know, like, I I even went as far as devoting myself to this Daniel's fast for 21 days this month, you guys. Um, and I'm anticipating the great vision because um, of my sacrifice, you know, just like he gave Daniel. Um, and additionally, I have jumped back into the nightly routine of reading my Bible and praying, like, diligently. You know, like, actually getting on my knees physically and praying like I was taught to do. You know what I mean? Like... I feel like for me, as I move forward, as I move into spaces that aren't the most religious, I feel like having God with me and having my ancestors with me and, and things like that is was really going to guide me and get all of the um, weirdness and all of the crazy people out of my way, you know, so that I can progress forward and succeed. You know, that's truly my belief. And so I hope that um, my story and I hope that some of those um, those those tidbits help you if you are also somebody who is dealing with the loss of your parents in your 20s or dealing with grief in general. You know what I mean? Because grief is not something a lot of people talk about because it's a little morbid. It's a little morbid for people to actually like sit back and reflect on people who might have passed away that impacted their life because they tried so hard to move past it and so i really want to applaud you for listening to something like this uh, even though this might have been hard for some of you and i also want to applaud you for the work that you're doing um on navigating grief as well so i want to end the podcast episode here and thank you all so much for listening please don't forget to follow me on all of my social medias at james the face that is j-a-y-m-e-s the face some people say like why did you why did you keep uh why did you add the y to your name because i'm not changing my name from james now that my father has like passed away and things like that i used to think so much like as a performer or as an actor do i ever want to like change my name and go by some like cooler name absolutely not like i love james anthony james anthony it was my father's name it's the name that he gave me it's the name that i'm going to honor him with and i just wanted to add my little flair to it which is why the y is there because there's a clear 
clear difference between me and my father's personalities, our lifestyles, or everything else. So I wanted to keep the name, but add my flair to it. So that's where the Y came from, if anyone was ever wondering. But it, 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 until next time, y'all, I'm, I'm running my mouth here. Until next time, y'all, love, peace, and chicken grease. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye! Hold up.